Section 31 of Pamela, or Virtue Rewarded. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pamela, or Virtue Rewarded, by Samuel Richardson. Section 31. Wednesday night. Nothing particular having passed at dinner or supper, but the most condescending goodness on my lady's side to me, and the highest civilities for Mr. Peter's family, from Lady Jones, from Sir Simon's family, etc., and reciprocal good wishes all round, and a promise obtained from my benefactor that he would endeavour to pass a fortnight or three weeks in these parts before the winter set in, I shall conclude this day with observing that I disposed of the money my master was so good to put in my hands, in a manner he was pleased to direct me, and I gave Mrs. Jukes hers in such a manner as highly pleased her, and she wished me with tears all kinds of happiness, and prayed me to forgive all her wickedness to me, as she herself called it. I begged leave of my master to present Mrs. Warden with five guineas for a pair of gloves, which he said was well thought of. I should have mentioned that Miss Darnford and I agreed upon a correspondence, which will be no small pleasure to me, for she is an admirable young lady, whom I prefer to every one I have seen, and I shall, I make no doubt, improve by her letters, for she is said to have a happy talent in writing, and is well read for so young a lady. SATURDAY on Thursday morning my lady set out for her own seat, and my best friend and I, attended by Mr. Colibrand, Abraham, and Thomas, for this dear house. Her ladyship parted with her brother and me with great tenderness, and made me promise to send her my papers, which I find she intends to entertain Lady Betty with, and another lady or two, her intimates, as also her lord, and hopes to find, as I believe, in the reading of them, some excuse for her brother's choice. My dearest master has been all love and tenderness on the road, as he is in every place and on every occasion, and oh, what a delightful change was this journey to that which, so contrary to all my wishes, and so much to my apprehensions, carried me hence to the Lincolnshire house. And how did I bless God at every turn and at every stage! We did not arrive here till yesterday noon. Abraham rode before to let them know we were coming, and I had the satisfaction to find everybody there I wished to see. When the chariot entered the courtyard, I was so strongly impressed with the favour and mercies of God Almighty, on remembering how I was sent away the last time I saw this house, the leave I took, the dangers I had encountered, a poor cast-off servant-girl, and now returning a joyful wife, and the mistress through his favour of the noble house I was turned out of, that I was hardly able to support the joy I felt in my mind on the occasion. He saw how much I was moved, and tenderly asked me why I seemed so affected. I told him, and lifted his dear hand to my lips, and said, O oh, sir, God's mercies and your goodness to me on entering this dear, dear place are above my expression. I can hardly bear the thoughts of them. He said, Welcome, thrice welcome, joy of my life, to your own house, and kissed my hand in return. All the common servants stood at the windows, as unseen as they could, to observe us. 
He took my hand with the most condescending goodness in the world, and with great complacence lent me into the parlour, and kissed me with the greatest ardour. "'Welcome again, my dear life,' said he, "'a thousand times welcome to the possession of a house that is not more mine than yours.' I threw myself at his feet. "'Permit me, dear sir, thus to bless God and thank you for all his mercies and your goodness. Oh, may I so behave as to not be utterly unworthy, and then how happy shall I be!' "'God give me, my dearest,' said he, "'life and health to reward all your sweetness, "'and no man can be so blessed as I.' "'Where,' said he to Abraham, who passed by the door, "'where is Mistress Jarvis?' "'She bolted in. "'Here, good sir,' said she, "'here, good madam, am I, "'waiting impatiently till called for "'to congratulate you both.' "'I ran to her and clasped my arms about her neck "'and kissed her. "'Oh, my dear Mrs. Jarvis,' said I, "'my other dear mother, "'receive your happy, happy Pamela, "'and join with me to bless God and bless our Master "'for all these great things.' "'I was ready to sink in her arms through excess of joy, "'to see the dear good woman, "'who had been so often a mournful witness of my distress, "'as now of my triumph. "'Dearest madam,' said she, "'you do me too much honour. Let my whole life show the joy I take in your deserved good fortune, and in my duty to you, for the early instance I received of your goodness in your kind letter. Oh, Mrs. Jarvis, replied I, they all thanks are due, both from you and me, for our dear master granted me this blessing, as I may justly call it, the very first moment I begged it of him. "'Your goodness, sir,' said she, "'I will for ever acknowledge and beg pardon "'for the wrong step I made in applying to my Lady Davis.' "'He was so good as to salute her, and said, "'All is over now, Mrs. Jarvis, "'and I shall not remember you ever disobliged me. "'I always respected you, and shall now more and more value you, "'for the sake of that dear good creature, "'whom with joy unfeigned I can call my wife.' "'God bless your honour for ever,' said she, and many, many happy years may ye live together, the envy and wonder of all who know you. But where, said my dear master, is honest Longman, and where is Jonathan? Come, Mrs. Jarvis, said I, you shall show me them, and all the good folks presently, and let me go up with you to behold the dear apartments, which I have seen before with such different emotions, to what I shall now do. We went up, and in every room, the chamber I took refuge in when my master pursued me, my lady's chamber, her dressing-room, Mrs. Jarvis's room, not forgetting her closet, my own little bedchamber, the green-room, and in each of the others I blessed God for my past escapes and present happiness. And the good woman was quite affected with the zeal and pleasure with which I made my thankful acknowledgments to the divine goodness. "'Oh, my excellent lady,' said she, "'you are still the same good, pious, humble soul I knew you, "'and your marriage has added to your graces, "'as I hope it will to your blessings.' "'Dear Mrs. Jarvis,' said I, "'you know not what I have gone through. "'You know not what God has done for me. "'You know not what a happy creature I am now. "'I have a thousand, thousand things to tell you, "'and a whole week will be too little.' every moment of it spent in relating to you what has befallen me, to make you acquainted with it all. 
"'We shall be sweetly happy together, I make no doubt. "'But I charge you, my dear Mrs. Jarvis, "'whatever you call me before strangers, "'that when we are by ourselves "'you call me nothing but your Pamela. "'For what an ungrateful creature should I be "'who have received so many mercies "'if I attributed them not to the divine goodness "'but assumed to myself insolent airs upon them?' No, I hope I shall be more and more thankful as I am more and more blessed, and more humble as God, the author of all my happiness, shall more distinguish me. We went down again to the parlour to my dear master. Said he, Call Longman in again. He longs to see you, my dear. He came in. God bless you, my sweet lady, said he, as now, heaven be praised, I may call you. Did I not tell you, madame, that providence would find you out? "'Oh, Mr. Longman,' said I, "'God be praised for all his mercies. "'I am rejoiced to see you.' "'And I laid my hand upon his and said, "'Good, Mr. Longman, how do you do? "'I must always value you, "'and you don't know how much of my present happiness "'I owe to the sheets of paper and pens and ink "'you furnished me with. "'I hope my dear sir and you are quite reconciled. "'Oh, madam,' said he, "'how good you are. "'Why, I cannot contain myself for joy.' "'and then he wiped his eyes, good man. "'Said my master, "'Yes, I have been telling Longman "'that I am obliged to him for his ready return to me, "'and that I will entirely forget his appeal to Lady Davis, "'and hope he'll find himself quite as easy and happy as he wishes. "'My dear partner here, Mr. Longman, "'I dare promise you will do all she can to make you so. "'Heaven bless you both together,' said he. "'Tis the pride of my heart to see this.' I returned with double delight when I heard the blessed news. And I'm sure, sir, said he, mark old Longman's words, God will bless you for this every year more and more. You don't know how many hearts you have made happy by this generous deed. I am glad of it, said my dear master. I am sure I have made my own happy. And Longman, though I must think you somebody, yet, as you are not a young man, and so won't make me jealous, "'I can allow you to wish my dear wife joy in the tenderest manner.' dead, sir,' said he, "'I am sure you rejoice me with your favour. "'Tis what I longed for, but durst not presume.' "'My dear,' said my master, "'receive the compliment of one of the honestest hearts in England, "'that always revered your virtues.' "'And the good man saluted me with great respect, and said, "'God in heaven blessed you both, and knelt on one knee.' I must quit your presence, indeed I must, and away he went. Your goodness, sir, said I, knows no bounds, and may my gratitude never find any. I saw, said my master, when the good man approached you, that he did with so much awe and love mingled together, that I fancied he longed to salute my angel, and I could not but indulge his honest heart. How blessed am I, said I, and kissed his hand, and indeed I make nothing now of kissing his dear hand, as if it was my own. When honest old Mr. Jonathan came in to attend at dinner, so clean, so sleek, and so neat, as he always is, with his silver hair, I said, Well, Mr. Jonathan, how do you do? I am glad to see you. You look as well as ever, thank God. Oh, dear madam, said he, better than ever to have such a blessed sight. God bless you and my dear master. "'And I hope, sir,' said he, "'you'll excuse all my past failings.' 
"'Aye, that I will, Jonathan,' said he, "'because you never had any, "'but what your regard for my dear wife here was the occasion of. "'And now I can tell you, you can never err, "'because you cannot respect her too much.' "'Oh, sir,' said he, "'your honour is exceedingly good. "'I'm sure I shall always pray for you both.' "'After dinner, Mr. Longman coming in "'and talking of some affairs under his care, "'he said afterwards, "'All your honour's servants are now happy, "'for Robert, who left you, "'had a pretty little fortune fallen to him, "'or he would never have quitted your service. "'He was here but yesterday to inquire "'whether you and my lady returned hither, "'and hoped he might have leave to pay his duty to you both. "'Aye,' said my master, "'I shall be glad to see honest Robert, "'for that's another of your favourites, Pamela. "'It was high time, I think, I should marry you, "'were it but to engage the respects of all my family to myself.' "'There are, sir,' said I, ten thousand reasons why I should rejoice in your goodness.' "'But I was going to say,' said Mr. Longman, "'that all your honour's old servants are now happy but one.' "'You mean John Arnold,' said my master. "'I do indeed,' said he, "'if you'll excuse me, sir.' "'Oh,' said I, "'I've had my prayers for poor John answered as favourably as I could wish.' "'Why,' said Mr. Longman, "'to be sure poor John has acted no very good part, "'take it altogether. "'But he so much honoured you, sir, "'and so much respected you, madam, "'that he would have been glad to have been obedient to both, "'and so was faithful to neither. "'But indeed the poor fellow's heart is almost broke, "'and he won't look out for any other place, "'and says he must live in your honour's service, "'or he must die wretched very shortly.' "'Mrs. Jarvis was here when this was said.' "'Indeed,' said she, "'the poor man had been here every day since he heard the tidings "'that have rejoiced us all. "'And he says he hopes he shall yet be forgiven.' "'Is he in the house now?' said my master. "'He is, sir, and was here when your honour came in, "'and played at hide-and-seek to have one look at you both when you alighted, "'and was ready to go out of his wits for joy "'when he saw your honour hand my lady in. "'Pamela,' said my dear master, "'you're to do with John as you please.' "'You have full power.' "'Then pray, sir,' said I, "'let poor John come in.' "'The poor fellow came in with so much confusion "'that I have never seen a countenance "'that expressed so lively a consciousness of his faults "'and mingled joy and shame. "'How do you do, John?' said I. "'I hope you are very well.' "'The poor fellow could hardly speak, "'and looked with awe upon my master "'and pleasure upon me.' "'said my master. "'Well, John, there is no room to say anything to a man "'that has so much concern already. "'I am told you will serve me whether I will or not. "'But I turn you over altogether to my spouse here, "'and she is to do by you as she pleases.' "'You see, John,' said I, "'your good master's indulgence. "'Well may I forgive you that have so generous an example. "'I was always persuaded of your honest intentions.' "'if you had known how to distinguish between your duty to your master "'and your good will to me. "'You will now have no more puzzles on that account, "'from the goodness of your dear master. "'I shall be but too happy,' I said to the poor man. "'God bless your honour. God bless you, madam. "'I now have the joy of my soul in serving you both, "'and I will make the best of servants to my power.' "'Well, then, John,' said I, "'your wages will go on as if you had never left your master.' "'May I not say so, sir?' said I. "'Yes, surely, my dear,' replied he, 
and augment them too if you find his duty to you deserve it. A thousand millions of thanks, said the poor man. I'm very well satisfied and desire no augmentation. And so he withdrew, overjoyed, and Mrs. Jarvis and Mr. Longman were highly pleased, for though they were incensed against him for his fault to me, when matters looked badly for me, yet they and all his fellow-servants always loved John. When Mr. Longman and Mrs. Jarvis had dined, they came in again, to know if he had any commands. And my dear master, filling a glass of wine, said, Longman, I am going to toast the happy and honestest couple in England, my dear Pamela's father and mother. Thank you, dear sir, said I. I think, continued he, that little Kentish Purchase wants a manager, and as it is a little out of your way, Longman, I have been proposing, if I thought Mr. Andrews would accept it, that he should enter upon Hodge's farm that was, and so manage for me that whole little affair, and we will well stock the farm for him and make it comfortable, and I think if he will take that trouble upon him, it will be an ease for you and a favour for me. Your Honour said he cannot do a better thing. "'and I have had some England given to me "'that you may, if you please, augment that estate "'by a purchase of equal amount, contiguous to it. "'And as you have so much money to spare, "'I can't see your honour can do better.' "'Well,' said he, "'let me have the particulars another time, "'and we will consider about it. "'But, my dear,' added he, "'you'll mention this to your father, if you please.' "'I have too much money, Longman,' continued he, lies useless, though upon this occasion I shall not grudge laying out as much in liveries and other things, as if I had married a lady of a fortune equal, if possible, to my Pamela's merit, and I reckon you have a good deal in hand. Yes, sir, said he, more than I wish I had, but I have a mortgage in view, if you don't buy that Kentish thing, that I believe will answer very well, and when matters are riper, will mention it to your honour. I took with me to Lincolnshire, said my master, upward of six hundred guineas, and thought to have laid most of them out there. Thank God, thought I, you did not. He offered me five hundred of them, you know. But I have not laid out above two hundred and fifty of them. So two hundred I left there in my escritoire, because I shall go again for a fortnight or so before winter. And two hundred I have brought with me, and I have money, I know not what in three places here, the account of which is my pocket-book in my library. You have made some little presents, Pamela, to my servants there, on our nuptials, and these two hundred I have brought up, I will put it into your disposal, that with some of them you shall do here as you did there. I am ashamed, good sir, said I, to be so costly and so worthless. Pray, my dear, replied he, say not a word of that said Mr. Longman, why, madam, with money and stocks and one thing or another, his honour could buy half the gentlemen around him. He wants not money, and lays up every year. And it would have been pity but his honour should have wedded just as he has. Very true, Longman, said my master, and pulling out his purse, said, Tell out, my dear, two hundred guineas, and give me the rest. I did so. Now, said he, take them yourself for the purposes I mentioned. But, Mr. Longman, do you before sunset bring my dear girl fifty pounds, which is her due this day by my promise, and every three months from this day pay her fifty pounds, which will be two hundred pounds per annum. 
and this is for her to lay out at her own discretion, and without account, in such way as shall derive a blessing upon us all, for she was my mother's armourer, and shall be mine, and her own too. I'll go for it this instant, said Mr. Longman. When he was done, I looked upon my dear generous master, and on Mrs. Jarvis, and he gave me a nod of assent, and I took twenty guineas, and said, Dear Mrs. Jarvis, except of this, which is no more than my generous master ordered me to present to Mrs. Jukes, for a pair of gloves on my happy nuptials. And so you, who are much better entitled to them by the love I bear you, must not refuse them. Said she, Mrs. Jukes was on the spot, madam, at the happy time. Yes, said my master, but Pamela would have rejoiced to have had you there instead of her. That I should, sir, replied I, or instead of anybody excepting my own mother. She gratefully accepted them, and thanked us both. But I don't know what she should thank me for, for I was not worth a fourth of them myself. I'll have you, my dear, said he, in some handsome manner, as you know how, oblige Longman to accept of a like present. Mr. Longman returned from his office, and brought me the fifty pounds, saying, I have entered this new article with great pleasure, to my lady fifty pounds to be paid the same sum quarterly. Oh, sir, said I, what will become of me to be so poor in myself and so rich in your bounty? It is a shame to take all that your profuse goodness would heap upon me thus. But indeed it shall not be without account. Make no words, my dear, said he. Are you not my wife? And have I not endowed you with my goods? And hitherto this is a very small part. Mr. Longman, said I, and Mrs. Jarvis, you both see how I am even oppressed with unreturnable obligations. God bless the donor and the receiver too, said Mr. Longman. I am sure they will bring back good interest, for, madam, you have a bountiful heart, and I have seen the pleasure you used to take to dispense my late lady's arms and donations. I'll warrant, Mr. Longman, said I, notwithstanding you are so willing to have me take large sums for nothing at all, I should affront you, if I asked you to accept from me a pair of gloves only on account of my happy nuptials. He seemed not readily to know how to answer, and my master said, If Longman refuse you, my dear, he may be said to refuse your first favour. On that I put twenty guineas in his hand, but he insisted upon it that he would take but five. I said, I must desire you to oblige me, Mr. Longman, or I shall think I have affronted you. Well, if I must, said he, I know what I know. What is that, Mr. Longman, said I? Why, madam, I will not lay it out till my young master's birthday, which I hope will be within this twelve months. Not expecting anything like this from the old gentleman, I looked at my master and then blushed so I could not hold up my head. Charmingly said Longman, said my master, and clasped me in his arms. Oh, my dear life, God send it may be so. You have quite delighted me, Longman though I durst not have said such a thing for the world. Madam, said the old gentleman, I beg your pardon, I hope no offence, but I'd speak it ten times in a breath to have it so. Take it how you please, as long as my good master takes it so well. Mrs. Jarvis, said my master, this is an over-nice dear creature. You don't know what a life I have had with her, 
even on this side matrimony. Said Mrs. Jarvis, I think Mr. Longman says very well. I'm sure I shall hope for it too. Mr. Longman, who had struck me of a heap, withdrawing soon after, my master said, Why, my dear, you can't look up. The old man said nothing shocking. I did not expect it, though, from him, said I. I was not aware, but of some innocent pleasantry. Why, so it was, said he, both innocent and pleasant, and I won't forgive you if you don't say as he says. Come, speak before Mrs. Jarvis. May everything happen, sir, that will give you delight. That's my dearest love, said he, and kissed me with great tenderness. When the servants had dined, I desired to see the maidens, and all four came up together. "'You are welcome home, madam,' said Rachel. "'We rejoice all to see you here, and more to see you, our lady.' "'Oh, my good acquaintances,' said I, "'I joy to see you. How do you do, Rachel? How do you all do?' And I took each of them by the hand, and could have kissed them. "'For,' said I to myself, "'I kissed you all last time I saw you in sorrow.' Why should I not kiss you all with joy? But I forbore in honour of their master's presence. They seemed quite transported with me, and my good master was pleased with the scene. See here, my lasses, said he, your mistress. I need not bid you respect her, for you always loved her, and she'll have it as much in her power as inclination to be kind to the deserving. Indeed, said I, I shall always be a kind friend to you, and your dear master has ordered me to give each of you this, that you may rejoice with me on my happiness. And so I gave them five guineas apiece, and said, God bless you, every one. I am overjoyed to see you. And they withdrew with the greatest gratitude and pleasure, praying for us both. I turned to my dear master. "'Tis to you, dear sir,' said I, "'next to God, who put it into your generous heart, "'that all my happiness is owing, "'that my mind thus overflows with joy and gratitude. "'And I would have kissed his hand, "'but he clasped me in his arms and said, "'You deserve it, my dear, you deserve it all.' "'Mrs. Jarvis came in,' said she. "'I have seen a very affecting sight. "'You have made your maidens quite happy, madam, "'with your kindness and condescension.' I saw them all four as I came by the hall door, just got up from their knees, praising and praying for you both. Dear good bodies, said I, and did Jane pray too? May their prayers be returned upon themselves, I say. My master sent for Jonathan, and I held up all the fingers of my two hands, and my master giving a nod of approbation as he came in, I said, "'Well, Mr. Jonathan, I could not be satisfied without seeing you in form, as it were, "'and thanking you for all your past good will to me. "'You'll accept of that up for a pair of gloves on this happy occasion.' "'And I gave him ten guineas, and took his honest hand between both mine. "'God bless you,' said I, with your silver hairs. "'So light, my dear father. "'I shall always value such a good old servant of the best of masters.' And he said, Oh, such goodness, such kind words, it is a balm to my heart. Blessed be God, I have lived to this day. And his eyes swam in tears, and he withdrew. My dear, said my master, you make every one happy. Oh, sirs, said I, tis you, tis you. And let my grateful heart always spring to my lips, 
to acknowledge the blessings you heap upon me. Then in came Harry and Isaac and Benjamin, and the two grooms of this house, and Arthur the gardener, for my dear master had ordered them by Mrs. Jarvis thus to be marshalled out, and he said, Where's John? Poor John was ashamed, and did not come in till he heard himself called for. I said to them, How do you do, my old friends and fellow servants? I am glad to see you all. My master said, I have given you a mistress, my lads, that is the joy of my heart. You see her goodness and condescension? Let your respect to her be but answerable, and she will be proportionately as great a blessing to you all as she is to me. Harry said, In the name of all your servants, sir, I bless your honour and your good lady, and it be all our studies to deserve our ladyship's favours as well as your honours. And so I gave every one five guineas to rejoice, as I said, in my happiness. When I came to John, I said, I saw you before, John, but I again tell you, I am glad to see you. He said he was quite ashamed and confounded. Oh, said I, forget everything that's past, John. Your dear good master will, and so will I. For God has wonderfully brought about all these things by the very means I once thought most grievous. Let us therefore look forward and be only ashamed to commit faults for the time to come, for they may not always be attended with like happy consequences. Arthur, said my master, I have brought you a mistress that is a great gardener. She'll show you a new way to plant beans, and never anybody had such a hand at improving a sunflower as she Oh, sir, said I, but a little lashed. All my improvements in every kind of thing are owing to you, I'm sure. And so I think I was even with the dear man, and yet appeared grateful before his servants. They withdrew, blessing us both, as the rest had done. And then came in the postillion and two helpers, for my master has both here and at Lincolnshire fine haunting horses, and it is the chief sport he takes delight in as also the scullion boy. And I said, How do all of you? And how dost do, Tommy? I hope you're very good. Here your dear master has ordered you something apiece in honour of me. And my master holding three fingers to me, I gave the postillion and helpers three guineas each, and the little boy two, and bid him let his poor mother lay it out for him, for he must not spend it idly. Mr. Collibrand, Abraham, and Thomas, I had before presented at t'other house. And when they are all gone but Mrs. Jarvis, I said, And now, dearest sir, permit me on my knees thus to bless you and pray for you. And, oh, may God crown you with the length of days and increase of honour, and may your happy, happy Pamela, by her grateful heart, appear always worthy in your dear eyes, though she cannot be so in her own, nor those of any others. Mrs. Jarvis, said my master, you see the excellence of this sweet creature. And when I tell you that the charms of her person, or lovely as she is, bind me not so strongly to her as the graces of her mind, congratulate me, that my happiness is built on so stable a basis. Indeed, I do most sincerely, sir, said she. This is a happy day for me. I stepped into the library while he was thus pouring out his kindness for me to Mrs. Jarvis and blessed God there on my knees, for the difference I now found to what I had once known in it. And when I have done the same thing in the first scene of my fears, the once frightful summer-house, 
I shall have gone through most of my distressful scene with gratitude, but shall never forbear thanking God in my mind for his goodness to me and every one. Mrs. Jarvis, I find, had whispered him what I had done above, and he saw me upon my knees with my back towards him, unknown to me, but softly put through the door again, as he had opened it a little way. And I said, not knowing that he had seen me, "'You have some charming pictures here, sir.' "'Yes,' said he, "'my dear life, so I have, "'but none so equal to that which your piety affords me. "'And may the God you delight to serve "'bless more and more, my dear angel.' "'Sir,' said I, "'you are all goodness.' "'I hope,' replied he, "'after your sweet example, "'I shall be better and better. "'Do you think, my dear father and mother, "'there was ever so happy a creature as I?' To be sure, it would be very ungrateful to think with uneasiness, or anything but compassion, of poor Miss Sally Godfrey. He ordered Jonathan to let the evening be passed merrily but wisely, as he said, with what every one liked, whether wine or October. He was pleased afterwards to lead me upstairs, and gave me possession of my lady's dressing-room and cabinet, and her fine repeating watch and equipage and, in short, of a complete set of diamonds that were his good mother's, as also of the two pair of diamond earrings, the two diamond rings, and diamond necklace he mentioned in his naughty articles, which her ladyship intended for presents to Miss Tomlins, a rich heiress, that was proposed for his wife, when he was just come from his travels, but which went off after all was agreed upon both the friend's side, because he approved not her conversation." and she had, as he told his mother, too masculine an air, and he never could be brought to see her but once, though the lady liked him very well. He presented me also with her ladyship's books, pictures, linen, lace, etc., that were in her apartments, and bid me call those apartments mine. Oh, give me, my good God, humility and gratitude. End of section 31